Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Well, this guy's a lot of fun. Yes, he is Jimmy Bell of Weathersfield, a local guitarist who's with Autograph and Beyond Purple. Beyond Purple, which has a few shows coming up in the next few months. Four seasons at the lake at Stafford Springs. Crystal Bees in Southington. He'll be playing Deep Purple songs and beyond. So songs like this, Highway Star. Also, Autograph's got a new album out. We're going to talk about that. And you also better believe that we are going to talk about his 1986 audition with Ozzy Osbourne. And maybe you're wondering, hey, how did that happen? Well, we're going to get the answers out of Jimmy on Spotlight Connecticut. This is WTIC in Hartford. What's going on, everyone? This is Joe from Hebron, and you're listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Jimmy, pleasure to have you in the studio today. Morgan, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. You know, I always see you on stage and not so much in these kinds of situations. You look the same. Yeah, okay. You really do. <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to be wearing. You know, you know, you look like you do on stage. You look great. I, I could have, uh, you know, I could have worn my sweatpants and the, uh, you know, my baseball cap and stuff. I said, nah, I want to, I got to come in looking good. You've been at this for so long now. You graduated Weathersfield High School in 1976. You've yeah. been playing and involved in music since way before then. How did it get all started for you? I guess you were a little kid, from what I understand, and it wasn't always the guitar that you were playing. My mom used to put, you know, they used to put me to sleep with records. They would have, uh, yeah. you know, and even as a... Like uh, what? You know, uh, well, I was, they were into big band music. So I would listen to uh, Glenn Miller and Benny Goodman. I actually grew up on that music. That was m- the first music that I really loved was big band era. Okay. You know, I, uh, as a kid, I had a toy drum set and a, and a toy guitar and I wish I still had the toy guitar because I found out it's worth a lot of money. It was a Roy Rogers uh, guitar, but of course it's long gone. But, uh, you know, I even held it left-handed. I'm left-handed, which is uh, uh, very difficult to get guitars when you're, you know, because yeah, you probably right- go to a store and you see a bunch for right hand. Thousands of right-handed guitars and there's like maybe one or two lefties. It's just the way of the world. That's nothing, you know, that's the way it is. Right. All through school, I played the stand-up bass. In the orchestra, so I don't know how I got talked into that, but I did. And it used to be my funny. goodness. Yeah, yeah. My, my, I felt bad because my mom used to have to, you know, it was bigger than I was. Lug so it my, around. Yeah, for my mom you. used yeah. to bring it into the school and everything. But I never got that good on it because I was playing it right-handed, and I didn't make the connection that I was playing the bass right-handed. But when I picked up a guitar, I held it left-handed. I I didn't. Uh, realize what was going on yet you know right because of the big band music i became uh infatuated with uh, gene krupa who was a legendary jazz drummer i told the the band instructor i wanted to switch to drums i really excelled in it pretty quick this is around age 10 and i won a scholarship from uh, the hartford conservatory now i'm in junior high and the drum okay. sets at my house and the, and there was a couple high school kids that would come over bring their guitars and i would play drums with them so one day, the guitar player decided to uh, leave his guitar out. I picked it up and turned the amp on and hit a low E string, and I just lost my mind. I said, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. I don't want to play drums. Right I want, then and there, Right you knew. then and there. I don't know what came over me. I dropped my drum scholarship instantly, and I said, I, I have to play guitar. From uh, the age of 13... I picked up the guitar and 
it's been nonstop in my hands ever since. You're growing up, getting interested in the guitar. You've got the Beatles, Deep Purple, so many really prominent rock influences. Could you talk about how that inspired you to go on and continue down the path of playing the guitar? These guys that I was jamming with had brought over this record by Johnny Winter. Now, Johnny Winter is a blues player. Brother he, of Edgar Winter, right? Yeah. And uh, Johnny had this style of blues playing where he played traditional blues, but he had a lot of fire in him, so he would play a lot of fast chops, too. And that record alone is the first thing that changed my life. From Johnny Winter, I discovered Deep Purple. Richie Blackmore. Richie Blackmore. Discovering Deep Purple changed my life. I got to see them, I think it was 1973 or 74, at New Haven Coliseum. I'll never forget, uh, they opened up with Highway Star. Back then, I believe they used to use dry ice because the smoke from the dry ice would stay very low to the stage as opposed to fog that they use nowadays that goes up in the air and gives a nice haze over all the lighting mm-hmm. throughout the you know the venue. And I remember looking at that on stage and just watching Richie Blackmore and I was you know, infatuated with him. Did but, your parents support you going down this rock and roll path or were they hoping that you'd become like a lawyer or a doctor well, I'm or anything sure like they, that? I'm sure they were hoping that, but you know, because of the fact my mom uh, was very much into music, because um, my mom used to get up and sing with, with bands. And um, my father was always supportive of no matter what I did. Yes, I get to do what I love. I've been fortunate. Right. The downside of it is when you're doing this, unless you really get to that level, you can never count on steady paycheck. Uh, your yearly income is different every year. Because sometimes you work a lot, sometimes you don't. You have good weeks, bad weeks, good months, bad months. That's just the way the music business is. It's not easy either because I was speaking, anybody just tuning in, I'm chatting with Jimmy Bell, a rock guitarist. You you play across Connecticut, but you also play across the country. You go overseas. Oh, yeah. I've you do everywhere. it all. It's not easy keeping up with a schedule like that. No. And, and because of the fact that the way uh, the record industry has changed so much, you, you don't make what you did. Back in the days, they were giving major, major dollar record deals, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, ridiculous amount. That doesn't happen anymore. They top might tier. Get, t- top tier will get a, a good dollar figure. But So uh, where does the money come in now for musicians? Is it through events, appearances, concerts? Is that where the money flow you, is? You, you take it no matter how you could get it. What it is, you, you go out and tour and you merchandise is still a huge part of uh, of an income, and that's always been a good part of uh, a band's income is you know selling merchandise at a show. Uh, it supplements a lot. It's a lot of fun, and like I said, I've been blessed in many ways, but I've been disappointed in so many ways as well. Comes- well, you were the beauty queen runner up. I was referred to it. Yeah. There's quite a timeline. Everybody listening in the Spotlight Connecticut audience, you want to hear this. So start with the beginning of the timeline. So I ended up in a band up in Canada. I was performing at a place called the Mustache Club, and a producer happened to show up at the club. And he heard some of our original music that we played. He goes, what are you guys doing? I didn't know what he meant. (laughs) You know, he approached me at the end of a gig. Sure. I go, 
What do you mean? What are we doing? <laughs> but it's know? always those connections. Yeah, yeah. You never know where it's yeah, going to yeah. go. Yeah, I go. What do you? What do you? I don't understand this question. What do you mean? What we're doing? I go. Well, I'm just playing. He goes. Um, I have this big recording studio, right, right down in old Montreal. He says, "You want to come and record some of this stuff?" So we went to the studio, and we recorded a bunch of demos. We had all this stuff going on. And uh, it ended up that the producer was somebody that worked with Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Okay. He did a bunch of stuff, took a lot of interest in us, and uh, put us on retainer. He was going to represent us and went back and forth to, uh, you know, New York, uh, you know, saying that we were getting signed. You know, he met with some uh, big executives in New York, and uh, they're listening to stuff. They're going, you guys are going to be the next Led Zeppelin. This is, you know, it's this typical. Everybody hears that at some point, right? Yes, and this is my first time actually hearing this. You know, someone saying you're going to be the next Led Zeppelin. You're young, and. um, You believe it. You believe it. And, you know, I'll tell you, I was told at least 27 different times that the record deal was being signed next week. Next week it's getting signed or just finishing up the contract. Well, as things happen, nothing happened. And uh, I ended up coming back to Connecticut. And some buddies of mine said, hey, Jimmy, we want you to play guitar. I said, okay. So we formed joint forces and the band just took off. Joint forces took off like a freight train. Everybody, no matter where we played, it just was massive audiences. And um, this gentleman took a interest in us. He w- he worked for Joan Jet, and he were uh, he worked up at the uh, New York office for Blackheart Records. He says, "I'm starting a new management company. I have a partner who owns a fleet of tour buses." Here and, we go uh, again. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He puts us out on tour with Joan Jett. Of course, we didn't make any money, but we had a tour bus, and we didn't care. We were in our 20s. We're out on tour with Joan Jett. We could care less. We have this beautiful tour bus. All of Joan's band and road crew all hopped on our bus. And you got (laughs) to meet her, too. And I guess that there was separation. Not everybody got to meet Joan Jett, but you got to hang out with her. Yeah. Joan and I just hit it off. We we became very good friends. She didn't... um, in fact, I'm the only one that has a photo with her. So the tour ends. There's talk about a movie. Joan's going to be in a movie with superstar Michael J. Fox. Now, Michael J. Fox had just got off doing Back to the Future. and of course, Huge a, name. Huge yeah. name in the 80s. Huge. I mean, everybody loved Michael J. Fox. So we do this movie, Light of Day. The movie this just com- keeps building up. Yeah, yeah. The movie comes out. I go see it in a movie theater. You know, I'm, I'm with a whole bunch of people, and then our scene comes up. When you were there and you see yourself, were you like, oh, my God, there I am? I stood up. I was with a whole bunch of people. And when the scene came up, after the scene was done, I stood up in a the theater, and everybody was cheering. It was so no funny. Kidding. Yeah. Where did was- you see that? Was it here in Connecticut? Yeah, I saw it here in Connecticut. It was In, in- this area? Yeah, in, uh, in Southington, actually. Uh, I saw it. It came to a theater in Southington. Right as you think that something could really happen for Joint Forces because of all this, the manager that we had decides he's just going to go and continue the work with Joan Jett and doesn't want to stay involved in this. Another letdown. It was mind-blowing to see that he had this opportunity to really do something with this. And, and but the didn't. Ball, and didn't. The ball got dropped. 
Well, how do you feel? Obviously disappointed. I'm in my 20s, so I was very disappointed, but I'm also thinking ahead. I'm going that, well, something, you know, something could happen here still. It's not, you know. Is this I, what I, takes us to yeah, 86? Takes us, takes us 87, to 87, right around there? Yeah. I do a guitar clinic at a local music store for the Kramer Company, and this this gentleman, Floyd Rose, who invented the Floyd Rose tremolo. It's a it's a it's this amazing mechanism that goes on a guitar, and it keeps the guitar in perfect tune. Uh, he comes around and does a clinic. I happen to have one. Uh, before they even made them left-handed, I had one drilled out. I took a right-handed one and converted it into uh You had to uh, get crafty. Yeah, I had to get crafty because they didn't make one lefty yet. Uh, he saw me, and he said to me after the clinic, he was I, I really impressed him. He says, you should have an endorsement with Kramer. And I said, that would be the most wonderful thing in the world because Kramer Guitars was the biggest company. Eddie Van Halen was endorsing them at this time. They, they were... They were taking on every big artist at that time, Richie Sambor. So you had to be good to get one of those. Yeah, you had to be. You had to be. They're not just handing them out. No, they're not. I didn't even have a record deal. All these other artists that they have were big artists. So the uh, the president comes down and he sees me and goes, um, exact words from his mouth were, "I understand I owe you an endorsement," and I go, uh, "Mr. Berardi, that would be the 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 dream for me." And he goes, well, consider it done. Come that was up. it? That was it. 1986 on a Wednesday. I'll never forget it. I get a phone call from the company. They say, uh, Jimmy, Ozzy's looking for a guitar player. Jakey Lee is out. They'd already found Zach, Zach Wilde. They'd already found him. So they were working with him a little bit. But then Sharon saw my videotape. So they had to fly me. They wanted to fly me to California. So Kramer Company calls and says, Jimmy, uh, uh, you're going to you're going out to audition for Ozzy. Great. I said, uh, when am I going next week? And uh, they go, no, today you have your plane ticket is booked. You have to get to the airport right now. Wow. And I go right now. <laughs> it's like, so yeah. guess what? You're on that plane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on that plane going to California. I get out there. You don't audition with Ozzy right away. You audition with the bassist, Phil Suzanne and the drummer, Randy Castile. I played with them. And Sharon Osbourne sat there and watched me play. Were you and, nervous at all? Oh, yeah, a little bit. She didn't sit and watch every guitar player, but she she sat there because she wanted to see if what she just spent a plane ticket on you was know, the real deal. Was the real what deal. What she, video, saw in, yes. what she saw in the video. Exactly. She says, okay, well, you're going to play with Ozzy. So we go to a whole different studio that had a big stage. In comes Ozzy. You see Ozzy on TV, you see him in magazines. You hear him on the radio, whatever. Nothing compares to like being face to face with him. It's very, very different. How it, so? How how is it different? It's just, it's surreal. It's like you just can't even believe it. Like you know that he's right in front of that you. he's right in front. Of you. you just don't even realize when you realize everything that that man has done, regardless of you know his insanity or, or anything, just the, his legacy with Black Sabbath. Can I backtrack for one quick second? There's this guy from Sweden. Yes, yes. That's what I wanted to tell you. I didn't right. know. I don't know how much time we have. So I mean, No, just, go for it. There was a guy from Sweden came up. I don't know who he was. I still don't know to this day. Anyways, he goes up before me. They're playing Flying High again. And Flying High has a very uh, distinct guitar solo in it. It's something that 
you wouldn't really alter. You know, you you could alter a lot of solos at at your own. You know, your but own not things. that one. Yeah, that one is one of those solos that you don't alter. This kid decided he wanted to get creative with it. Ozzy did not like that, but he didn't let the kids see him. So Ozzy's standing behind him. He puts his hands out. Uh, I know nobody out there in Radio Land could not see this. No, just describe it. He puts his hands out behind him as if he's strangling him. Oh. Like he's got his hands almost like around his neck, and he doesn't see this. And and then but everybody else does. Yeah, everybody. And I'm watching this, and then he's making like he's stabbing him with a knife behind his back. And then the kid kind of turned around, and Ozzy gives him the thumbs up like Ooh. that. Like, <laughs> and Jimmy Bell's making mental note: do not do this. I made I made a lot of mental notes. Anyways, he gets done, he leaves the room. I go up on stage, and um, so I'm aware of things that w- that made me even more nervous. So I go up on stage, and uh, the first song I do is "I Don't Know." That's the name of the song. I don't know. I start the song, and I had a really good good groove going with the band. And everything, everything's going great. And Ozzy's standing there at the microphone. And Ozzy used to do this, does this thing where you'd see him do it live if you ever see him. He, he kind of stands, he grabs a mic and starts rocking back and forth a little bit, holding the mic. Right. Yes. So I'm watching him doing that. I see as the song's going, he's going back and forth. He's in a groove. He's in a groove. And he's and and I'm really doing a great job. So the, uh, when it comes time for me to play the, the solo in the song, Ozzy gets right down in front of the amplifier and listens to me play the guitar solo. And that one I, I did a little bit of my own, but not I didn't go way off from it. It still was the same thing. I just played it my own style a little bit. Close to the real deal. Clo- it's close to the real deal, but using a little bit of my own flair to it. And that didn't bother him at all. And About how long did this all last? I would say it was a uh, it was about an hour, an hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was it was a good hour, and um, after that, uh, Sharon and Ozzy sat down with me, and they said to me, "Well, uh, Jimmy, it's between you and Zach." You got the chance to go have dinner with those two as well. Yes, Ozzie I did. Ozzy and Sharon. Yes, I did. We went the whole uh, the band, the uh, Randy and 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 Phil. Uh, Ozzy, Sharon, and myself all went to this. Had to be an exclusive place. It was. It was this crazy. It was a very expensive place in L.A. That's all I got. I mean, there was everybody in suits, you know, doctors, lawyers, whatever, you know, executives went to this place. And then in comes Ozzy. A little bit of a clash. A little bit of clash. But, you know, his income. It's probably more than those people anyway. It probably was. So, you know, he's he's allowed in there. Jimmy Bell, I'm really digging this conversation, and you know I don't want to do it, but we are up against a hard break. So hang on. I want to know what happened at dinner with Ozzy Osbourne. We will get those answers next on Spotlight Connecticut. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. You know, I wish I had more like four hours to chat with Jimmy Bell, guitarist of Autograph and Beyond Purple, locally from Weathersfield, and proud to be from Weathersfield, too. We're chatting with him about his experiences in those bands playing songs like Hush, but he's also in the middle of telling us about his time auditioning with Ozzy Osbourne back in 1986. And I've just got to know, 
What did he talk about with Ozzy and Sharon? You're sitting down with them. What do you talk about? This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Kevin in Seymour, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. So you're sitting at dinner with Ozzy. You're talking with him and Sharon Osborne. Did they say anything to you that has stuck with you all this time? You know, you know that in terms of the audition, it's down to you or Zach Wild. But what else did you guys talk about? Anything? Not, not really too much. I think we talked about uh, influences and and. You know, things like that. A funny thing I, I said to him, I said, at the time, I used to not eat cherry tomatoes. A, a salad came. And I said, do you want my tomatoes? And he said, yeah, no, no, no. You know, he didn't want them. I'm talking to Sharon. She's across from me. And the next thing I know, I, I look, and Ozzy's hand is in my salad. He's pulling out. He's, eat, he's pulling the, the tomatoes. He's out. taking them anyway. He's taking them anyway with his hand, not even a fork, just grabbing them right out out of my salad bowl, which I thought was, you know, that's classic uh, Ozzy going in and taking it with his hands. <laughs> she sees that he's a little messed up. She gets him out of there. They invite me over to their, I, I don't even know what you, if you would call it a bungalow or, or wherever they were staying on Sunset Strip. It was, you know, uh, some sort of housing. I get to meet. His youngest daughter, Amy Osborne. Now, Amy is the one that did not. Wasn't on the show. Exactly. She must have been a little girl around that time. Very little. As a matter of fact, Ozzy had her on his lap. And MTV is on. I'll never forget this. I'm sitting there. I mean, this is weird. you got to remember, I'm I'm sitting in in a living room with Ozzy, you know, uh, at their hut there. And uh, he's bouncing Amy on his lap. All of a sudden, the Black Sabbath Paranoid video comes on on MTV, and he's, got, he's bouncing there. He goes, look, Amy, there's daddy, there's daddy, you know, like that. It was, I, it was just so funny. The guys took me out afterwards to the Troubadour. I got to hang out with them. They were very nice. You also got to hang out with Zach Wild too, back yeah, at yeah, the hotel. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about that. Zach uh, came into my hotel room. He came up. And you I, played I, for him. I did. I, got, I had a knock on my door, and I opened it up, and there's Zach Wild. A very young-looking Zach Wilde, not not how he looks now. No, uh, you know he was he was not buffed and and looked like a, a Viking <laughs> like he does. <laughs> so he, he was, changed his image. A oh little yeah, later. yeah. He was very thin, uh, clean-cut guy. He had that Randy Rhodes look. I have to say, he comes into the room. He wanted to see what his competition would be. We just start jamming. I know for a fact he was worried. Worried. How do you know? Uh, because Could you see it in his face? Or? Well, I found out afterwards uh, a, a girl that I knew from out in California was at a guitar clinic after Ozzy had picked him. You know, Zach was doing a clinic at a music store. They were talking about the Ozzy audition. Zach said, I didn't think I had the gig because there was this other guitar player, Jimmy Bell, that I heard play. I didn't think I was going to get the gig after hearing him. He, he said something to that effect, mm-hmm. which was so nice of them to say that. They never said, Why? they never called me and said that Zach had the gig. I just kind of, which I thought was a bit strange. Uh, but So but, how did you find out? So you come back to Connecticut and, and you find out about, after the Yeah, fact? about a month month later. It's just, I'm not, you know, I'm not really hearing anything a few weeks. And then, of course, you hear it on all over that Zach Wiles, a new guitar player. And you talk about a real devastating blow. Everything in your mind circulates. You know, you're going like, oh, my God, my life could have changed 
so amazingly, you know, like so many things, opportunities could have happened because of this. Did your friends and your family back here in Connecticut know that you were doing this? Did you keep it quiet? I, I had to keep the audition quiet at first, but th- they found out anyway. <laughs> the they joint. found out. So anyways, I go to, um, I, I'm sitting around, <laughs> still hoping, practicing my guitar all the time and trying to do stuff. And uh, my phone rings uh, and there's an English gentleman on the uh, on the line. He says, uh, is this Jimmy? And I said, yes. He says, uh, this is uh, Terrence Butler. AKA. Yeah. And I said, Terrence Butler. And he says, yeah. He says, uh, I, I got your uh, tape from Sharon. I'm putting together a, a new project. And then it clicked. I said, I said, oh my God, this is Geezer Butler, the bassist from Black Sabbath. I said, I can't believe this because Geezer was one of my, I always, you know, listening to Black Sabbath, I always thought Geezer was probably one of the most incredible thunderous bass players there ever was. Of course. He's telling me about this project he's doing. He's doing a um, a solo thing, but uh, not as heavy as Black Sabbath. He asked me if I'm interested. And of course I'm interested. You know, he shouldn't even have to ask of that. Of course. That's yeah. a yes. And then the next thing you know, I'm on a plane to London. That was my first trip overseas of many. What but, a first trip. Yeah, going to London. So I land and uh, we had this rehearsal place that we actually, you lived at and everything. They they housed you there. They fed you there. He comes into the room and says, uh, I'm, I'm just in the room by myself playing guitar. He says, uh, can you write a song similar to a Black Sabbath song? And I said, well, funny you say that. I said, I've been working on this song. And I said, I even came up with kind of a working title for it called Master of Insanity. You like the title? Uh, I played him the song, and next thing you know, we're recording it. But you didn't get a credit for it. No, we record the whole song. I fly home, and I get a phone call from Gloria Butler, Geezer's wife. And she says, Jimmy, the person that signed you at MCA got caught doing something, something bad. I don't know what it was exactly. He got fired, and all his projects got dropped. Everything that he was Everything? Everything. Now we're up to about 1992, and... I get a call from Gloria, and she says, Jimmy, I don't know if you heard, but Black Sabbath is getting back together with Ronnie James Dio. She says, Jimmy, I have wonderful news. They're going to use Master of Insanity <laughs> on the record. Finally, some good news. Yeah, finally. Some. And I'm going, oh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. She goes, but we have one problem. Uh-oh. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, here we go. It never stops. She says, we cannot give you songwriting credit. And why is that? Uh, She says, because Tony Iommi, the guitarist from Black Sabbath, would never allow a song written by another guitar player on a Black Sabbath record. But he's just going to put your name in a special thanks. And when this tour is over, we're going to pay you for the song. You got your credit and did you get paid accordingly? No. You didn't? No. And what was funny is that it wasn't a filler song either because... All the reviews of the record happen to mention that song as being one of the better songs on the record, and they actually played the song live. So it was a strong enough song where they put it into their set and performed it. As far as getting paid, I wasn't really expecting to get paid. Even as close as I was to with Gloria and Geezer, and I really trusted them, I, I look at it like this. All the money that Black Sabbath 
has the, the billions of dollars, well, how much how much would one song have cost them? Mm-hmm. You know, nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. A couple thousand. I, not even. Who knows? I mean, they could have. They could have made me any offer, you know, realistically. I just would have taken it. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, if, if it was a decent offer here. Yeah, there you go. So, Tell me about some of your latest projects. You're an autograph. You've got Beyond Purple. Beyond Purple is going to be playing locally here in Connecticut. Yeah. In Southington, I know that they have a few shows coming up. Yeah, Beyond Purple is a, a, a great thing. I've been, uh, And it's a tribute to one of your old heroes. Yeah, it is. You fill up rooms. Yeah. You go to Crystal Bees in Southington and... It's standing room only out there. It's it's amazing that band uh, has a lot of great musicians in it. You know Brian. He's great. Mark Zito. BJ Zampa. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I've always done a lot of projects with BJ, the drummer. I've been in House of Lords, which is a band Gene Simmons put together back in the late 80s. Uh, I joined them in 2005, and mm-hmm. I brought BJ in with me. So I've done nine albums with them. And all of a sudden, this opportunity in 2019 came where um, the original guitar player for Autograph quit the band. He didn't want to be an Autograph anymore. He wanted to go do something else. Uh, I had already uh, became friends with those guys because I would go see them at Mohegan Sun, and I'd be talking with them. And uh, so I kind of already knew them. Uh, so when uh, when I read that he quit, I gave uh, bassist Randy Rand a call and just said, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like an opportunity audition for this. And uh, that's the next thing you know, he gave me three songs. I learned those three songs instantly. So I said, give me more songs. Give me more. And before you knew it, I had their whole set list done. You with, knew it all. I knew them all with vocals and everything else. So it it just worked out better than you could imagine. When I went to L.A., right after we played the first song, they knew I was a guitar player. It sounded like we had been playing together for years. You guys just put out a new album. Yes. Uh, we we uh, just put out a new record called Beyond. And uh, unfortunately, in April of uh, of this year, we lost our, our bassist, Randy Rand. He was the last original member in the band. He passed away suddenly. Um, You've got to miss him. Very much. He was like a brother to me. We, we were very close. I'd have to say one of the, the happiest things is that I'm so thrilled that he is on this whole record. We, we had, uh, he had done the whole record, and we had turned it in and everything else before he passed away. The only thing we had to do different was, you know, we had already given all the artwork to the company as well. Mm-hmm. So after he passed away, we, had to, we got a special dedication page made for him that nice. got inserted. When you're getting ready for a show, I think that there are a lot of people out there who probably don't know, and I've seen you backstage. You'll be sitting there with a guitar, and I'll see your fingers going. You're practicing, you're rehearsing. It's not hooked up to anything. You know, I can't hear it. I hear, you know, the, the fingers tapping the strings. Yeah, yeah. But I don't hear any music. Um, but obviously, you're hearing it in your head, and you're getting your fingers ready. So I've got to ask, how much do you practice? All the time. All the time. Especially a uh, day of a show. No matter what the show is, I've always taken it like I used to have an every Thursday gig at a, at a club. I always want to give the best performance I can, if possible. When I'm out on the road with autograph and stuff, I'll play guitar all day in my hotel room. I'll get, uh, we'll show up at Soundcheck. I'll play all through Soundcheck. And then I will even play right up to showtime. And then sometimes, even after the show, 
if I'm not 100% satisfied with the way that I performed that night, I'll pull the guitar out of the case when I get back to the room. And go back at it. And go back at it and try to figure out what did I do wrong? What 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 wasn't clicking? That it's 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 mental. It's obs- <laughs> it's obsessed obsession and you know to do what I've done all of my life. You know the struggles and the disappointments uh, along with the good. But you know there was a tremendous amount of disappointments. You got to be tweaked differently. Advice for somebody just getting started in music. What would you tell them? If there was one thing that you could tell them, other than practice makes perfect and all of that, right? If there's something that you could tell a really good, aspiring musician, a young you, what would it be? Practice as hard as you can. If you want this, you can't be one of these guys that picks up a guitar, uh, you know, uh, for a half hour uh, and has some fun and then goes out drinking. And, uh, you know, I always tell people, young kids especially, if you can, Stay away from alcohol, drugs, anything, that any mind-altering things because it is not good for you whatsoever. It does not help your playing. You're not playing good when you're on that stuff or doing anything. So I always tell them that, but you should definitely have some sort of backup plan. Don't put all your eggs into this basket because it's a very, very difficult business now. Back in the 70s, uh, you know, late uh, late sixties, seventies, they were signing everybody. I, I tell people, don't don't drop out of high school to, to be a guitar, you know, be a musician. Go to college, get a real life, because you really, really might need it. And I know a lot of uh, a lot of buddies of mine that play guitar that are, you know, lawyers, and you know, there's a lot of people that that do it, and you know, they look at me, and they say, oh, you're so fortunate. I'm I'm stuck behind the debt. I go. You're a doctor. <laughs> I go, what are you talking about? You're, yeah. you're making, you know, a stupid amount of money. What are you? Why, why are you even questioning this? You know, you're a lawyer. What are you doing? What do you mean? You want to be me? I've gotten to go all over the world for free. Uh, the downside is you just don't have a steady income. I'm very grateful to have a, a, a wonderful, wonderful wife. Um. Mandy, who really, uh, she supports me 100% mentally, emotionally, and, you know, a lot of times financially, too. Well, as our final thought here, could you just talk a little bit more about the shows you've got coming up? There's all kinds of stuff coming up. Uh, The night before New Year's Eve, I'm playing... The Eve Eve. The Eve of Eve, I'm playing. It's at Four Seasons in Stratford, and then I'm playing Crystal Bees New Year's Eve, as well as on January 28th, uh, is my birthday show, which I want you at. <laughs> I will be rocking with you yeah. for and sure be, yeah, at the these birthday are all, show. These are Beyond Purple shows. When they go to the show, what are some titles that they can expect to hear in Beyond Purple? Knock It At Your Back Door, Woman From Tokyo, Burn, Highway Star, Hush, all the popular White Snake songs, Here I Go Again, Love Ain't No Stranger, uh, Slow and Easy, Still in the Night, you know, Street of Dreams is one of my favorite from Rainbow, uh, Man on the Silver Mountain, that's with Ronnie Dio singing. And Since You've Been Gone is a Graham Bonnet song, uh, Stone Cold. You know, so we, we didn't want to do the obscure stuff that people didn't know. Thanks I, for doing this. Oh, my God. I am so happy you had me on. I really wanted to come do this. I Like I said, I haven't got to go to, you know, everything has changed 
you know, it's either Zoom or uh, Facebook Messenger or uh, emails or, or a lot of phone calls. It's This was just so much fun to actually get out of the house and, and do it at a real studio. And not to mention, I'm you know, TIC, I've been a, you know, fan for years. This is this is legendary to be in this studio. You the know? famous Bob Steele station. Yeah. You must have grown it up. It was on every morning. On, on, on the radio, we'd have Bob Steele on. We'd be my mom be listening to him, you know, it all the time. It's it's legend. It's, it's so I couldn't wait to come here. Jimmy Bell on Spotlight Connecticut, and that is what I call one heck of an interview. And if we're talking about Deep Purple, I know we talked about some other bands and other musicians, but I'm into deep purple mode and mood right now. There's only one song to take us out of here, and it's Smoke on the Water. 